Grace, mercy, and peace be unto from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about trust and temptation and good stuff like that today. Because in this country, we've got this, well, we put in God we trust on our money, and I've seen it on the wall of a courtroom, and just, and we say it, and we, and we feel all holy and something about it when we do that. But do we really know what, it, what we're talking about? What's it mean to trust? Do we believe that God is real and dependable and trustworthy and capable of fulfilling his promises? Is he strong enough to do what he says he's going to do? Does he care enough to follow through? Which God do we trust? Is it the God in the Bible? Or is it uh, some idea, some concept that somebody's made up of some kind of God? Or is it something we've just figured out in our own head? Or do we ignore any notion of God and trust something else? Trust the government to take care of us. It's doing such a great job. You don't trust me? What does it mean to trust? Well, it means believing, counting on you to do what you're going to say. To do what you say you're going to do. That you are trustworthy based on experience, based on observation. Remember the story in, in the book of Judges in the Bible? God comes to Gideon and says, Gideon, I want you to raise up an army and go chase out the Midianites. And Gideon says, yay! No, he didn't either. He said, you kidding me? And God says, go ahead and trust me. Test me to see if I can do what I say I'm going to do for you, which is to provide victory for you and your army. Do I have the power? Remember what he did? Take a sheepskin, lay it down on the ground outside. Okay, one day Gideon comes over and just the sheepskin is wet and the ground is dry. And another day the ground is wet and the sheepskin is dry, or the other way around. Anyway, it, God is showing Gideon that God is trustworthy. What's he do for us? How's he prove to us that he's trustworthy? Well, you're here today. You've experienced some healing at times. Some of the good things that God promises to give, like love and joy and peace and forgiveness. You've experienced some of that. And you didn't make all that up. You didn't create it for yourself. It came from God. The food you eat the shelter you inhabit. Sometimes people say, well, I, you know, what I have, I, I, I got for myself. Out of my ingenuity, my intelligence, my hard work, my abilities, I got this all by myself. And my response is, who made you healthy mentally and physically? Did you do that? No. God did. What's it mean to trust God? Let's look at Jesus. 
Jesus has just been baptized. He's heard his father say, you are my special one. I'm delighted in you. Go and do what we have planned on doing. Our plan of salvation that we created, that we came up with before we ever made the world. Because we knew that these people, these human beings, were going to need a savior. And so we set it up so that you, Jesus, would be that savior. But you start off by going into the wilderness. You're alone and you're hungry and there's the devil just waiting to get you to disobey, not trust. Satan comes along and says, Jesus, go ahead. You've got the power. Zap these rocks and make bread out of them. And Jesus said, no, go away. But what's Satan doing? If your father really loved you, he would not let you he leave you here starving, really, really hungry. Right? Does your father really love you? Can you trust him? Can you count on him to provide for you? He's not doing a very good job at this point. And then he also does what, what, what he did with Adam and Eve. He says, if you are the Son of God. Well, of course I'm the Son of God. Just watch me zap these rocks. Turn them into bread. See, that'll prove that I'm the Son of God. See, this doubt that the devil interjected into Eve's thinking. If, if, maybe, Maybe not. Does God really love you? Can you count on God? Can you trust God? Hmm. More important than food or physical life is dependence on God. Faith in his care. That's what Jesus is saying at this point. No matter whether I get food right now or not, I trust my Father. I believe in Him. I love Him. Well, go up on this, the temple and jump down, probably a couple hundred feet. And God says that He'll send His angels to, to, to protect you. And Jesus said, don't misuse, don't twist, don't distort the Word of God. That's not going to accomplish what needs to be done. People are going to say, wow, that's fantastic. Way, hey, just what other trick can they do? It's like I saw on the last night, this commercial for the, well, Linda, going to walk over a, a, a volcano or a, where the hot lava is and uh, going, the guy's an idiot, but anyway... Better him than me if somebody's going to do it. But Jesus is saying, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to go up on the temple and jump down. What's that accomplish? I, I need to go to the cross. That's what this is about. 
I need to obey God's law. I need to be the sacrifice for human beings, for humanity. I need to lay down my life for others. And jumping down off from a temple or bowing down to the, the devil, easy way out, short circuits, all that pain and suffering, all the rejection and betrayal, it, it just eliminates all that, bypasses all that. But it's not God's way. That needs to happen. And so Jesus told the devil to go back to hell. And the devil had to. Because in the word of God, God puts his power. And when we use that word of God to tell the devil to go away, to go to hell, the devil has to because God's power is in that word. Are we willing to use it? Are we willing to trust God, to trust his word when he talks to us in the Bible? Is he telling us the truth? We say, oh yeah, when he talks about forgiveness and, and joy and peace and healing and acceptance, all that warm, fuzzy stuff, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good stuff. But how about when he talks about repentance and damnation and the need for forgiveness? Do we believe that he's telling us the truth at that point too? See, we're challenged and tempted and tested daily. Temptations come. Now, it's interesting, Luther, Martin Luther had this to say. He basically, he's sort of paraphrasing what the book of James says. He says, the temptations come. And James says, well, the problem with us is that the temptations come and we let them sort of settle into our minds and we start thinking about can we get away with it? Does it make sense? It's not going to hurt anybody just this one time, and we're in trouble. And Luther picked up on that. He said, okay, temptations are like birds. You can't prevent birds from flying over your head. You can't prevent the temptations from coming. But you can prevent the birds, keep the birds from building a nest in your hair. You don't have to let the temptations settle in and then continue to try to get you to go along with the temptation. How do we do? How do we do with God's tests, with the temptations that come from the devil? Well, sometimes the, uh, the Satan's offers are pretty attractive. We let ourselves become convinced that we know better than God. Sometimes we think that we can get away with it. Where's my little story here? Teenage boy told his parents he was going to run away from home. Listen, he said, I'm leaving home. There's nothing you can do to stop me. I want excitement and adventure and beautiful women and money and fun. And I'll never find it here, so I'm leaving. So just don't try to stop me. 
As he headed for the door, his father leaped up and ran toward him. Dad, the boy said, you heard what I said. Don't try to stop me. I'm going. Dad said, who's trying to stop you? I'm going with you. (laughs) Well, there are days, okay? Really? Yeah. Yeah. We are being tempted by the devil. Not in necessarily major ways to just yell at God and stomp, stomp, stomp off. But to sort of yield to what the devil says a little bit at a time. Sometimes the temptations come through, through well, we'd actually call them probably times of testing as we, if we're looking at it in a Christian context. Years ago, a young woman by the name of Johnny Erickson was in an accident. She broke her neck and was quadriplegic. And she'd been a Christian, but uh, she really had to wrestle. Her life has now suddenly turned from exciting and all kinds of potential to restricted, very restricted. But eventually the Spirit of God worked in her heart and she came to say this is an opportunity to witness to God's goodness and God's care. And so she did. As she wrote, as she learned how to draw and paint, as she went around the country giving her testimony about God's goodness in the midst of some horrible circumstances. We can get tested We can get tested to the point where we become very bitter and very resentful toward God. God, how come? I can't count on you. You're not doing what needs to be done. Hmm. And sometimes God says, I'm with you. Hang in there. Don't despair. Don't give up. And that was Johnny Erickson's testimony. God takes care of us day by day. He's always with us. The temptations come at us to give up, to go our own way, to do what we feel like, what we think is fun and easy and comfortable and convenient. It's easy to accommodate, to go along with the flow with the attitude, with the with the attitudes of, of, of our culture. Yeah, why not? It's a good thing you're not at home with me because once in a while I get a little ab- upset. With the temptations to go with the flow, go with the current thinking. That's all right. It's all right to do things that are contrary to God's will. It's all right to do things that may be harmful to us, but we think we can get away with it. You don't realize it, maybe. But when I drive 205, there are times when it's not stop and go, when I say the, it's, everything was speed limit. You can go the speed limit and have no problems other than being aware of the people who come up behind you and want to run you over. The temptation is to go with the flow. 
which means going faster than the speed limit. So what do you do? I'm not going to tell you what I do, but what, what, what do you do? Do you just sort of go with the, everybody else is doing it, so I can get away with it? Right? And sometimes that applies to our moral and ethical decisions, too. Are we willing to do that which God tells us to do? Are we willing to do the, what he talks about in the story of the Good Samaritan? Taking care of our neighbor who is the one who is in need. Even if that person is not the same culture, not the same nationality, not the same ethnic group, not the same whatever. Are we willing to help do what we can to meet the needs of that other person? Isn't that what Jesus is calling us to do? But the temptation is to say, nope, I don't need to care about that person. I've got enough on my plate. And God says, no. I want you to be faithful to me. To say no to that temptation. To not get involved but instead to follow my son in dealing with that person's needs. Because when all is said and done, you and I need to come to the cross and confess over and over again that we love him, we trust him, we are his. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to trust God to follow him, to love him, to serve him. And so in the season of Lent, we pay more and more attention to what that's about. We, never, we should never ignore that. God's love, God's sacrifice, God's victory. And during Lent, we pay even more attention because that's what we're called to do. Watch out for the temptations. They can be subtle. They can be right in your face. Whatever they are, use God's power to say no to Satan and to say yes to Jesus. Trust him. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.